Media, and you're listening to Fresh Off the Bench. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fresh Off the Bench. I'm joined with my co-host, Macus Dinsmore, and Ismail Sai to talk about uh, Big 12, Big 10, and we've also got a big interview with Michigan defensive tackle uh, Jordan Whitley. Macus, Izzy, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Um, great to have you on, Izzy. Yeah, I'm pumped. Second time. Can't wait. Yeah. All right. So uh, I say we get right into the Big 12. Um, yeah. What team do you want to start with, Izzy? Uh, let's just start right at the top here, Oklahoma. Um, right. You know, quarterback coming back, Spencer Rattler. He's potential top five pick in next year's draft. Um Obviously, defense loses Ronnie Perkins to the draft. However, last year they played they they played really really well. They only allowed about twenty two points a game, um, you know. But outside of Perkins on the defensive line, they also have Perry and Winfrey, Isaiah Thomas, and they have linebackers in Nick Benito and Brian Asamoah. Um, so that's that's a good foundation on defense. And then you already know what the offense is going to bring for the table to the table. Oklahoma Oklahoma has been a top five offense for the past like few years now you know because that's just a qb factory over there so i really like oklahoma to win the big 12 and i think they're far and away the best team oh i certainly agree um they've got a great core of weapons a great offensive line i really like what they're doing in their front seven i think that's going to generate a lot of pressure oh, yeah. and their their defensive backs are are no slouches either they they're very talented back there uh, i know we were a big fan of trey brown coming out uh into yeah. the draft last season but he was he was not the best player in that secondary. Oh yeah, the talented secondary. Uh, low key, right now they're my favorite to win the college football championship, uh, and I think they go undefeated in Big Twelve play. Yeah, I mean the toughest over DJ game on their schedule. Over DJ Ugnuwele. I mean the toughest game on their schedule is Iowa State, and that's that's at home. So advantage Oklahoma. Exactly. Uh, like I don't see anyone in the Big Twelve that can really, you know, give them a run for their money outside of maybe Iowa State, which we'll get into yeah. next. But Yeah, and Iowa State is a team that has their own college football playoff hype, which I don't necessarily agree with. This is a, a veteran team. Uh, they've got a lot of good place, uh, pieces. Charlie Kolar is one of the best tight ends in all of college football. Uh, their defense defense isn't very talented, but it's, it's a very experienced defense, and they certainly know what they're doing there. Um, Brock Purdy, that's their – yeah, Brock Purdy. He needs to step up. He was not the he, same he quarterback. He was not good last year. Yeah, he was not the same quarterback in 2020 that he was in 2019. Um, but they definitely have a good rushing attack, Brees Hall, who should alleviate some of the pressure. Yeah. I mean, they even with Purdy not playing up to, you know, the standard that we know him, know him to be at, they still average 32 points a game. 
almost mm-hmm. 33 points a game. So, I mean, the offense, the offense, you know what they're, you know what you're going to get from them. I mean, he has Brees Hall, you know, and Charlie Kohler as well. I mean, that's two great weapons right there. Um, and then obviously the defense, uh, they were one of the, the, they were one of the best in the big 12, Jaquan Bailey. He's, he's not here anymore. So that's going to be tough, but in the offensive line as well, um, remains intact. So that's going to be huge for Purdy. And he's even got wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson, who's very talented there, too. I think he's very underrated, Xavier Hutchinson. Just wanted to say that. For sure. Um, yeah. I think that my third best team in this conference uh, has to be Texas Christian. Um, they're a very talented team. I think that – so they landed TJ Carter from, uh, from what is it, Memphis in the, yeah. in, in the transfer portal. And him next to Travis Hodges Tomlinson, who's actually – He's the, I believe he's the nephew of former Charger Ladanian Tomlinson. So that's yeah. pretty crazy. Um, but they are definitely the best outside corner duo in this division, if not all of college football. Yeah, and they also have, they're going to have a good rushing attack as well. Uh, you know, they, they, have a, they have a good trio there. They have Kendra Miller, Zach Evans, and Darwin Barlow. Uh, and at receiver, I really like Quentin Johnson. I think he's going to be huge for this team. So I think, I think he adds a new new aspect, new dynamic aspect to this offense. So TCU, they're going to score a lot of points this year. Um, so that, that is, that's definitely, it's going to definitely going to be fun to watch. I mean, and any team in the big 12 scores points anyways, but you know, certainly. And Max Dugan, their quarterback, he's got 10 rushing touchdowns last season and 10 throwing touchdowns. I think he, he breaks out a little further. I think this offensive line is looking a little better, some better protect, protection. Uh, and I think that his weapons are also looking better. Right, right. It's going to be interesting, though, to like see how they replace uh, Trayvon Moore again, uh, or Darius Washington. So that'll definitely be interesting in the back end. For, for sure, for sure. Um, do you have anything to add there, Skye? Um, Max Dugan looked pretty good last year. I feel like he's a stronger runner than he is throwing the ball. So if he continues to progress that, I haven't really watched any of his like spring stuff that's came out, but if he's able to progress that, then I think he'll make a good step this year. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the next best team has to be West Virginia. I mean, I know a lot of people would put Texas there, uh, but West Virginia is far more proven on defense. They've got returning super senior safety, Alonzo Adai, uh, who transferred out of University of New Hampshire, and I think he's highly talented. They lose Peggy Smith. Uh, and uh, their their starting linebacker to the draft. Um, well, Tyke was to the transfer portal, but this is still very talented defense, and we've seen that year in year out. And they've got a lot of experience on offense that I think is going to benefit them quite a bit. Uh, yeah, just like just to add on to that offensive point, Letty Brown's coming back. He was in a thousand yard rusher last year. Four of their top five receivers are returning. Quarterback play, they're gonna need they're gonna need more from either uh, Jared Doge or Gary Green, so that's gonna be interesting to see as well. Um, I do like this West Virginia team though. I think I think they're underrated, you know, and I I agree with you. I would put them ahead of Texas as of right now, but I mean, you know, you know how I feel about Texas. I'm I, I don't really believe in them any year. So yeah, West Virginia I think is gonna be one of those sneaky good Big Twelve teams this year. Yeah. And Doug Nestor, who they added from Virginia Tech on their offensive line, is going to be big for them, too. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Texas, though, I think that's probably where we should, where we should head next. 
It, yeah, uh, you know, new coach in town, Steve Sarkeesian. Um, they were seven and three last year. Uh, Sam Ellinger's off to the NFL. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how Sarkeesian uses uh Bijan Robinson. To be honest, uh, the running back that they have there, he only ha- he didn't even have a hundred carries last year, so it'll definitely be interesting to see how he uses him. But and they obviously lose left tackle uh, Sam Cosme. Um, but they have some young talent, I would say you know, who could provide protection for Casey Thompson, who's probably going to start. So, but again, I'm, I'm low on Texas. You know, everyone's like, Texas is back, but they haven't been back for years now. So I don't think it's going to change this year. Yeah. Texas lot of lost, lost a lot in their front seven as well to the draft in uh, yeah, Osai. Osai. Yeah. yeah. And the defensive tackle, I'm going to forget the name of right now. Um, but <laughs> With a new coach in town, I like Steve Sarkeesian's going to do a lot for this offense. Um, they've got a great line despite losing Cosme. I'm not sure who they're going to play at left tackle, and that's certainly a concern with a QB battle there uh, in Texas. Um, but they've got good weapons, and they've got a good rushing attack. So the quarterback job there really isn't that difficult. Right. I think right. it's a bowl team but I don't think it's a top team in the big Twelve. No, for sure. Yeah, I, think this is, I think this is, again, going to be one of the only uh, wins KU comes close to having in the Big 12. Seems like every year Texas is, like, the one team that we get close with. Carter Stanley took him 50-48 to 48 as a senior, beat him as a true freshman. So I'm excited for the KU-Texas game, at least. Yeah. Uh, KU, that's an interesting topic. They recently st- – uh, hired Lance Leipold as their new head coach. What are your thoughts on that, Izzy? Um, I mean, he has nowhere to go but up, honestly. I mean, they were three, they were three and eighteen under Les Miles. Um, eight of their nine defeats were by 15 or points or more. Uh I mean, I think he can do a better job, honestly. Um, you know, but it's gonna take a lot to turn that program around. It's it's been it's been a while. Yeah, I he brought in – oh, go ahead, Scott. I think it starts just with, like, what we're starting to see um, shifting in the KU, like, I guess front office if they were an NFL team. But um, they got a new AD, which will be great. Long just wasn't getting the job done. He heavily favored basketball over college football. And I mean, basketball is going to be – they're going to get their money. So if you put more money towards recruiting, Les Miles was paying for recruiting out of pocket at KU. So wow. like recruiting trips. So it'll be nice if the AD can maybe aid the college football team. And if they give Leopold at least four years, he's going to suck his first two years. The problem with KU is we haven't been able to successfully rebuild because we keep firing coaches after a year, year and a half or two years. When right. pretty much everybody knows you don't see the progress of recruiting until three to four years after they're hired. So exactly. it'll be nice to see if we can keep that going. I liked Kevin Kelly as a prospective coach, but that's just because he would really he would have really shaken things up. But Leopold is a good coach. He's heavily popular for the players that have played with him or under him, and Buffalo was a great success story for him. Yeah, Lance Leipold brings a great staff with him as well. This is a staff known for developing younger talent. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Buffalo, their starting quarterback last year, was ranked 28th uh, by a couple of different sites. He played punter for them in 2019. 
Wow. Oh, wow. I know their yeah. running back was extremely efficient, too. Their running back was extremely efficient. And I don't know if it's just because of the running back, because other, other news sources also had, you know, the Mac in the Mac, like all conference team, clean sweep team one offensive line by Buffalo. And that's massive. Yeah, that's yeah. that's part of the reason why KU hasn't been able to capitalize, especially like 2019. We had the legend Carter Stanley, but we also had Puka Williams. Uh, we had a great receiving core with like Stephon Robinson and um, oh, I don't know why I'm blanking. I know we had Kwame Lasseter, but I don't know why I'm blanking on the other Steven receiver. Sims. Yeah, yeah. When we had them in 2019, we had the offense to compete. We saw it against Texas. We saw it against Boston College. Um, even Oklahoma, I believe Puka rushed for like 200 and something yards. Like, the problem has always been the line. There were multiple times when Carter had to escape the pocket with wide open weapons, and even he didn't even have time to escape the pocket, and he'd get sacked, or he'd have to throw the ball away because they didn't give him even enough time to throw to the open receivers while moving, but I think Jason Bean's going to be huge. He is more mobile than, I believe, most quarterbacks that we've had. I know Jalen Daniels is a little bit mobile. I'm sure KU will fuck it up, and we'll end up, like, sitting Jason Bean two games into the year for Jalen Daniels, like we did last year with Thomas McVitie. But, you know, if, if we can keep Jason Bean on the field and not, and not screw it up, then uh, he's going to be huge as well. I really like Jason Bean. Yeah, no, I watched all the tape on Jason Bean. I think he's an incredible quarterback. Um, when he first announced that he was going into the transfer portal, I was checking that transfer portal almost every day to see where he ended up going. Uh, and after I found out that you were a KU fan, I got very excited when I heard he went. He was going to go to KU. I think he's very talented. Uh, he shows a lot of uh, passing prowess. If you go and watch the tape, a lot of his interceptions were as they glanced off of a player's hands. Uh, usually it was a tip ball or a wide receiver just absolutely flubbed the catch. I think he's a very talented guy for you, especially with that that quarterback coaching staff. Um, Kwame Lasseter returning is big because it gives him a proven offensive target year one, but that defense is still a massive liability. 46 points a game. Yeah. yeah. The, that's not That's good. been our recruiting struggles, and I think Hassan defense leaving is – going to be very bad for this team because some fence was always extremely good. I thought he was extremely underrated um, when people talk about Big 12 defensive players. But we just we need to find the one defensive guy, the Joe Deneen, the Hassan defense, that's going to step up and be, you know, an all-Big 12-type talent. And I think if we can get that, the defense will at least be able to keep our offense in games. Yeah, that's certainly, that's certainly a hope for them. Uh, I think we I think we should move on to Kansas State, other side of the state from, uh, well, the Jayhawks. Um, and, you know, I watched some tape on Kansas State. I read about Kansas State. And all I have to say is that Deuce Vaughn is the second coming of Darren Sproul. It's blasphemous. For real. It's blasphemous. For real. Deuce, Deuce Vaughn is – he's so exciting to watch. Yeah. I yeah. love what I – like – Okay, just continue, Matt, just before I go on for days. <laughs> yeah, no, Deuce Vaughn is, is an incredible player, and I, he's going to do great things in Kansas State. Uh, they're returning their starting QB, Skylar Thompson, which I think is very big for them going into this season. Uh, Skylar Thompson's trash. Forever. 
Okay, Sky. Um, <laughs> you can't throw 10 yards. Skyler Thompson can't throw 10 yards. All righty. And it's been like, it, 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 I feel like Skylar Thompson is one of those like players who you feel like has been in college football for like years. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's trash. He's probably on like his eighth year stretch. All right, Sky. All right, Sky. All right, Sky. Okay, all right. Uh, Their offensive line is rather weak, um, but their scheme helps them out a lot, and I saw that a lot on tape. They have a good left guard, but that's about it. Uh, And the big thing that surprised me from their tape is their secondary is really good, especially their outside corner. Yeah. When Bill Snyder left, that team fell apart, and they will never be good again. Sky, not right now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, uh, Kansas State. They people forget they got off to a hot start last year. They were they started the year four and one, and then they end they ended a year they ended a year on I believe a five game losing streak. So obviously you the know, Raiders they, of the college football world. Okay. All right. Okay, Sky. Right. Uh, <laughs> we don't like the Raiders on this show, but anyways. Um, uh, yeah, the the defense didn't they didn't play well the back half of the year. I I believe they have, they allowed almost six yards a snap, which is not very good. Uh, so obviously, getting off to a hot start and being able to sustain it that's huge. I think they're a I think they're a bowl team though. Um, but again, I don't think they're going to be able to compete with the Oklahomas and the Iowa States of the world. So I'm certainly. predicting it here: Kansas upsets Kansas State this year. This All is right. our year. Okay, all right, Sky, back it up. <laughs> who on who on that put it on is tape? Tackling Pin it into on? the Discord. Who on, who on that defense is tackling Usman? Usman's going it for three fifty six and five. It doesn't touchdowns. matter. Yeah, all purpose. All right, for sure. No, um, just rushing yards. <laughs> I'm kidding. We got we got the bean. <laughs> the beanster. Jason Bean. Jason Bean's a stud. I'm going to be completely honest. With you. Jason uh, Bean th- is better than Deuce Vaughn and Skyler Thompson put together. When Bill okay. Snyder left, All right. it took the entire wind out of the Kansas next State team. football program. All right, so next up, I think we should move to the other team named State that has a rival in here, uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, Spencer Sanders. Uh, I, I think he's. I think he. He's all right. It's just. A lot of a lot of turnovers. I mean, 19 picks in two years, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, he loses Tylen Wallace and Dylan Stoner off to the NFL. But I do like Brendan Presley and Braden Johnson to step up in that role. Uh, that's I don't think they're going to be better than what, what they had with Tylen and Dylan, but we'll see. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State, another bowl team here. Um, obviously – they have a they have a tough ish schedule. They have TCU, they have Oklahoma, then they have Kansas State. So that's going to be interesting. And they also hit the road against Boise State, Texas, and West Virginia. So we'll, we'll see how Oklahoma State performs. I think they're a borderline bull team, but with that schedule, it's going to be tough. I'm actually going to disagree with you here. They're losing their two best targets. They're losing Chuba Hubbard, who was a game changing running back, and the anchor of their offensive line. Um, Spencer Sanders is not a good thrower at all. And I think Shane Illingworth should be the starter there. Their defense overperformed last season by a decent margin and they're losing their two best starters. I don't have a lot of hope for this team at all. I don't think they're a bold team, um, but they will compete. They, yeah, they will. I mean, that, that's just the, re- that, I mean, Mike Gundy, you know, he's, a, he's, he's been there for forever now. So he'll have his boys ready. That's why I think they're borderline, but I mean, that schedule is just brutal. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. So, um, next team here, Baylor. Baylor's um, a really interesting team. 
is a what you said? Baylor's an interesting team. So they're losing Charlie Brewer, who's kind of started the past four years for them. And they've got a, he's at Utah now. Um, So they have a QB battle there. And I think that will certainly limit their success this season. I think Nate Ebner is going to have a breakout season at running back because of that offensive line. They have a really good starting left tackle. uh, And they landed Jacob Gall, who was nothing short of elite for the Buffalo team last season. Uh, And they also landed a guy from Vanderbilt. They got Jalen Petrie, who's the best, best linebacker in all of the big 12. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they got, part of my pronunci- pronunciation Siaki Ika from LSU who's going to be an incredible nose tackle close enough um, yeah um, the one thing about Baylor though that really like you know I don't want to say surprised me but the one thing that I really noticed about them last year is that that, that run game was not very good I mean no. they, they they averaged barely they didn't even average three yards to carry like that's so that's going to be huge, you know, for whoever starts at quarterback, you know, he needs to be able to lean on that run game because two like 2.7 yards of carry is not very good. Uh, but like you said, the offensive line did get did get better. So I, I expect them to be better in that aspect. So it'll be interesting with Baylor. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they're a bowl team yet. I think they're Me still neither. coming back from losing Matt Rule as the head coach and you know, yeah. They're not going to be the same team that they were in what was it 2019 where they went like 10 and two. Um, yeah, I think I think they need like a year, like a year or two, probably certainly. two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think our final team is Texas Tech. What are your thoughts here, Izzy? Um, the offense last year. Uh, this was the first time they ab- they averaged below 30 points a game since 2000, which is which is shocking. And the defense gave up 37 points a game. So it'll it'll be interesting with Texas Tech. Uh, they they have Alan Bowman who's coming back. They yeah. do have oh, he transferred. Uh, oh, he transferred, transferred. To, to Michigan, I believe. They've oh got yeah, a, he did. You're right. You're yeah, right. they've he got did. a big time QB battle there. Yeah, no, they, so they uh, yeah, that's that's my um, misspoke there. But no worries. They, they got, have they have a running back though. I really like their running back, Sir, Sir Roderick Thompson. He's he's yeah. pretty good. Uh, they have an All Big Twelve receiver coming back in Eric. Uza Kanma, yeah, he's, yep. he's going to be good. Um, so Texas Tech, I mean, I'm not sure. That defense is just – I feel like it's going to be horrible again. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, this defense is losing two of their better pieces in Zach McPherson and Eli Howard to the draft. Colin Schuler, uh yeah, Schuler returns as a linebacker for them, and he was a good blitzer coverage guy. Um, their offense – they lost a guard that was really good, but they still have their center. And they added uh, a guy named Stormont from TCU, who was a very good tackle last season. I like their running back room a lot. I think their weapons are pretty good, but I'm really curious about this QB battle because as a Pac-12 fan myself, I watched a, a lot of Oregon QB Tyler Schlo, who transferred there. I did not like him at all. Um, but he was not other- good last year. No, not at all. And the other people in that battle, Henry Columbia and the freshman, uh, Morton, who is like a f- high four-star out of Texas, that's going to be a really interesting battle to watch. And if they can get at least average play from their quarterback, I expect a lot, um, a very volatile off. Yeah, but, I mean, again, if you can't, if they can't stop anybody, it's not going to be – it's going to be off or not. So, Certainly. It's gonna, that's, that's huge for them. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that – wraps up so our big 12 we've got about five minutes until we we're gonna hit break 
I just want to go out on the record and say I think KU's going to win four, maybe five games and be on the cusp of getting to the uh, 500 uh, bowl qualifying record. What makes you say that? On that. <laughs> what, what makes you say that other than your bias as a KU fan? Well, South Dakota, I think we win that one. I think we get okay. revenge on, on Coastal Carolina. I doubt that. No. I think we beat no. Duke. I agree with that. Duke Duke is horrible, and then so yeah. I think we upset K-State. It's in Lawrence with a revitalized kind of feel. It'll be late in the season. So hopefully if we can get you know, those other three wins, we carry a little bit of momentum. Um, we will be getting trampled by Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State before that K-State game. But I think there's yeah, a momentum. chance. I like our a little bit of an upset chance against Texas Tech or Texas. But uh, I like I like Tech. I'm not sure about Texas though. Yeah, we I kind of like you better. We always play Texas close when we're in Austin for some reason. Yeah. Right. I like you better so, against Oklahoma State personally. Yeah, that, than that's Texas good. Tech. Yeah. If well, yeah. So here's the thing: if Oklahoma State considered continues to start Spencer Sanders, you're going to get at least three picks that game. Yeah. They have yeah. an inexperienced wide receiver core. They don't have the same starting running back they had last season. Their Desmond offensive Desmond Jackson, line, though, he, he, he played well at the end of last year. He did. So, he did. Oklahoma State. if we can pick up the Coastal Carolina, uh, South Dakota, Duke, in case State wins, we pick up Oklahoma State, and then possibly either Iowa State or uh, Texas Tech or Texas, that's six wins. We're bowl qualified. That's not happening. Sky, hey, you'll be you lucky. Never you'll be lucky you never know. You never know. In 2008, do you think anybody thought KU was going to go on a run into the Orange Bowl? This isn't no, 2008. probably not. This isn't 2008 anymore. This is though, exactly like 2008. Here's the thing. Because if you look at KU, we had – Injuries. We had a brand new quarterback step up. We had a lot of guys graduate and transfer between that year, between the year before and that year. This is shaping up like 2008. Here's the thing, Sky. Who can you point at on your defense and say that is above a player that I could get off the street? Exactly. Akeem Sleeve was a no name before that season. Okay. Akeem right, Sleeve the- stepped up. Akeem Tlaib yeah. went to have a great NFL career. All right. So I imagine at some point we'll do one episode where we cover, like, the best teams in a group of five, but there is no chance that you upset Coastal Carolina. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not happening. This is the not same team that beat B- B- BYU last year. Like, no. Yeah. No. No, it's not happening. Not it's one of our biggest non-conference rivals over the last Guy. few years. Anything that doesn't mean you're going to beat baby. Anything can happen, baby. Ohio State no. and Michigan are big rivals, and what happened? What's happened for the past ten years? Whoa, whoa, Izzy, are you bad enough, Michigan, on this podcast? That that is completely different. That is completely different. How I mean, is I it? Love, I love Jordan. I love Jordan Whitley. I think he's going to be very, very good for that defense. But I mean, that program hasn't turned turned a good QB since Denard Robinson was there. It's been all, a while. <laughs> all I'm saying, all I'm saying is that KU is turning over a new leaf. I look at her schedule. Non-conference schedule is pretty easy. It's probably the easiest one we've had in 
years. That's not true. A game against Coastal Carolina is not easy. <laughs> other other than Coastal Carolina, we still have South Dakota and Duke. Yeah. That's two wins <laughs> right there. Yeah, but the Duke game's going to be close. Which is sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is stopping Mateo Durant on, on Duke? Thank you. Thank you. Who's guarding Kwame Lasseter? Fair point. <laughs> Who's going to stop Jason Bean from running for 200 yards and throwing for 300? That's a good question. Who's, who's going to stop Gardner in the backfield? Gardner. <laughs> uh, hey, don't, don't badmouth Gardner. Gardner. I mean, we was, did say they would be Puka Duke, left, right? When, when yeah. Puka left, Gardner stepped up huge. And Here's even before the thing Puka about left, after Khalil Herbert left and left just Puka and Gardner in the backfield, Gardner played extremely well. Mateo as Durant, a true freshman. Yeah, Mateo Durant is A, a senior, and B, average, had the most yards like rushing on that team despite being like at least 37 carries below the top guy. And C, they're playing a Big 12 defense. So he's going to go yeah. nuts. <laughs> he will. He will. Yeah. All I'm saying, yeah. K, 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 looks revitalized. Okay, Sky. Whatever All right, you say. Sky. Whatever you say. <laughs> okay, that's gonna take us into our first break. We don't and now an ad from this week's sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we are back. We've got a big interview from Jordan Whitley, Michigan defensive tackle. Um, It was pre-recorded, so we're not going to be live. But I hope you guys enjoy. Anything you guys want to say before we start the interview? No, enjoy the interview. It's a great interview. A lot of good questions were answered, and you know we're very excited that we had him on. Uh, we hope he comes on again at some point. Um, but no, just very excited about it. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. He was a great guest, and he was really cool to talk to. So here good is pickup for Michigan. Yeah, yeah, huge pickup. Here is uh, our interview. Hello, and welcome back to Fresh Off the Bench. I'm Macus, and this is Sky. We are joined today by Jordan Whitley, former Oregon State defensive tackle, who recently committed to transfer to the University of Michigan. Uh, we're very glad to have you on, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, well, man, I'm glad to be here. All right. Uh, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of the interview, uh, I was watching your YouTube to prepare for this, uh, and I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, how are the Turtles doing? Oh, they're doing fine. They're downstairs in a big tank. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, all righty. So our first question, um, what was it like growing up in Richmond, California, and how do you think it shaped you uh, as you are today? Uh, growing up in Richmond was really just like a it, – it taught you how to grow up fast, fashion what you expected as a kid, how to be, you know, a provider – how to fend for yourself, you know. Uh, it was real dangerous. 
and Richmond still is to this day. But you know, uh, all the great ones make it out to people who put their head down and stay out of trouble, really. Yeah, um, for sure. That's you no. Know, it sounds like it's had a great impact, you know, on your life. You know, growing up here, um, it shaped you. I think that's awesome. Um, the next question, being from California, which NFL team would you say you are a fan of? I really wasn't a fan of teams in California. It was more so players. I liked the players more. I liked the certain players. But it was never a team that was, like, consistently good all the time. And I hated that. Like, that's why I didn't like teams a lot. So, like, when teams – when people ask me, like, oh, what team will you draft? I'm like, whoever paying the most. I don't um, know. Whoever yeah. kind of paid me. So, you, you played running back in high school, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I was the running back my whole childhood – my whole life. Is there an NFL player that you based your game on as a running back? I said like Le'Veon Bell and, and LT, really. That was like the primary running backs that I based my game off of. I had a question kind of piggybacking off that. If you had to choose like one NFL team that you think your game would fit perfectly in that defense, defensive scheme, which one would that be? I say the Titans or the Washington football team. Washington like, football team would be great to play as a defensive player on. A good, solid fit. Yes, for the Washington, Washington football team or the Tennessee. Yeah. All right. So you started as a running back. Um, how do you think the knowledge of how running backs are taught, um, their technique and what they're trying to do on a snap-by-snap -snap basis, how do you think that has allowed you to be a more efficient run stopper? It's, it's really allowed me to let the game slow down more. Because running backs, you know what the type of box the O-line are doing. You know what type of coverages the O-line is doing, the protection, the slide protection. If they're lined up in this uh, formation or this personnel, what you can get out of it. So, you know, that that really helped to my advantage a lot, you know, in games at Oregon State, like I'll be the only one standing up pointing like, hey, the ball's going to be over here. Like, it's, it's going to be running over here. And, like, the, the linebackers will be like, you know, just be quiet. And, like, you know, I have to line out my gap and do something different and make a play. Then, like, you know, the coaches look at me like, why did you do that? I'm like, oh, it's just the, 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 the stuff I see out there, you know, it, it's different, especially the way old linemen – in their stands and how they conduct themselves during the game, which is it's really taught me a lot being back there, playing running back. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so in the transition from running back to defensive tackle, was there an NFL player that you would watch to, you know, kind of help that transition there, you know, learn the hand technique, stuff like that? Defensive tackle-wise, no. I, I feel like every time I watch the defensive tackle highlights, like I always feel like I play slower. So I was just like watch like Jamal Adams or like, you know, people who just electric on the field so I can, you know, try to come out there and be electric. Cause I feel like the moment I think of myself as a D lineman, I'm gonna like stop being explosive and fast and doing my game, how I play my game really. I had a question about Laney. Um, it's kind of known now that he was on last chance you and all of that uh, coach beams kind of, he has like a different coaching style. 
what was your experience with his coaching style and how did it differ between like, you know, high school or like Oregon State's coaching style? Coach Green was like, <laughs> he's like the, uh, the, like the chihuahua behind the fence, you know, a lot of barking, a lot of barking, they don't let him out. It's like, it stopped barking. It's like, don't know what to do, but he, he's definitely like a love and hate relationship. Like, you know, he never stirred me the wrong way. He never made me feel like he didn't want me to play for him or didn't want me there. But like he'd definitely get get the fire under your ass quick. Like, you know, he was aggressive, mean, and like, you know, that's what we needed as those kids growing up in the areas you grew up to play together. Because, you know, we that team that 2018 Championship team, like, we we fought every day at practice. Like, it wasn't a day when it wasn't a fight. Like, somebody was fighting that day at practice. And, like, you know, he was the glue that kept the team together because he was just aggressive and, like, in your face. And he meant what he said. Yeah. Um, what was the difference between his coaching style and then going to Oregon State and having, you know, the, the new coaching staff there and Jonathan, Jonathan Smith and uh... – all of them. It was, you know, Lenny was really like, you know, family. I felt like family. Everybody from the janitor to Coach Beam, like everybody on the staff, we talked and had a relationship, had a friendship, had a some type of communication to where, you know, they know me, I know them, and, you know, it was all love. People love to see me. At Oregon State, it was real mellow. Like, you know, it was like, you know, you can hear a pin drop sometimes on the ground because it's like, too quiet and plus I'm a I'm a real quiet individual. I'm always in a like, you know, to myself, don't have a lot to say. So that just made it more even more even more awkward with me with them sometimes. And it was just like, dang, I didn't expect it back this. I thought it was gonna be like real quiet, but the coaching, like the strength of the conditioning coaches was like they gave me that feel. Like, you know, they they got after it. My D line coach, she was okay. He uh he'd get after it sometimes and get it going, but head coach, we had a, we had a, like a, a mutual understanding relationship. Like, you know, we talked probably like 10 times. I was there for like 10, three years, going three years. So we didn't really like chop it up how me and Beam chopped it up. Like I talked to Coach Beam every practice and during practice, talking, talking shit to Beam about his offense and telling him they suck and stuff like that. But like, I didn't want to say nothing like that to Coach Smith. I'm like, damn, I don't want to get kicked off the team or nothing. Like, we didn't really have that, you know, that relationship like that. Um. So, yeah, that's that's really strange, and that's like not something you'd expect. Like looking at the team from the from the outside. Um. And you know, it's really crazy, uh, really cool that you say that, and you can kind of show us more of the experience uh, in inside the locker room and what it's like. You know, working with that coaching staff. Um. How do you feel like you've grown your game and grown and evolved your game over your tenure at Corvallis? Uh. I feel like I've been more of a student of the game. Uh, learning techniques, learning different defenses, different personnel, different pass coverages, and not pass coverages, but like rush defenses and how to beat a man versus them beating a man. Like just the technical wise of football, but like, you know, the grit, the aggressiveness, like that never left. I've always been there. 
it just been more mellow there. Like, you know, I couldn't do a lot like I wanted to. Like, the plays that I did make, it was like, I just had to make them. Like, I just did what I do naturally, and I got chewed out for it later. But some of the times they had to be made, you know, when we were down some, some games and, like, nobody's making a play. Like, I, I'll usually make a play, but it wouldn't be, like, the correct way they wanted me to do it. And I'll be like, you know, go play with, but next time I'll do it like this. It was it was real, like, to the team, technical football. Like, you know, a game of inches, as they say. Yeah, um, I get that. More of a technical thing. Um, and, you know, there's certainly value to, you know, just going out and making the play, making the play how you know how to make the play. And that's something that shouldn't necessarily be held back in football, I think. Yeah, and that's really one of the reasons I chose Michigan. Like, I had a couple offers that I didn't post. So I'm like, you know, there's no point to post them no more. Like, I'm not a Juco kid coming out of high school. I'm coming out of Juco kid coming out of Laney, like, you know, I'm already been here. I had uh, like ten offers, but you know, Michigan just like they want me to play from zero to five and do my thing. So like that's really why I chose them. You know, I like the D line coach, and hopefully, I get to showcase more than I did at Oregon State for real. That's awesome. Yeah, that should be really cool. Um, I had just a kind of a silly question here. Um. While you were with the Beavers, there was a package on offense where they used Jack Coletto, who's now a linebacker, uh, as a Wildcat QB. Was there ever any talks of putting you at running back or fullback or something with your experience there? Every day. I used to, uh, when Coach Preach was there, I used to talk I used to talk a lot of men about his running back. I'm like, oh, they don't know how to run a ball. Like, you know, let me run a ball. And we had, we had plans to do it uh, a couple times, but, you know, the teams we was going against, it didn't fit into like, you know, the scheme of the offense sometimes, but it was definitely a lot of talk about it. A lot of, you know, we might do this, we might do this, and we might get you in on the goal line this week. But it never really officially happened, but it would have been great to see it for sure. Do you think that that may happen at, uh, at Michigan, though? I hope so. I hope I get a score at least uh, a touchdown or two. That'd be crazy with their crowd, how loud yeah. their fans are. They'd explode. <laughs> I heard, I never, like, you know, I played, the biggest crowd I played against was, I would say Oregon when we went to Oregon 2019, but the uh, our game against Utah, like that first quarter when Utah came 2019, like that game was, it was loud. Like I couldn't even hear the person next to me. But if that's louder than that, uh, Hey, I don't know. Are you excited to be playing against like potentially more fans in the uh, the Big Twelve? I mean, Big I Ten. Never, sorry, never really thought about it yet. Like you know, um, I'm, I'm just I'm really thinking about like the competition. Like I've been looking up certain guys. Like oh, I can't wait to play against him. Like I can't wait to play against this guy. I can't wait to play against this guy. Just like you know, prove that I belong. Really, that's really what I've been thinking about. And like. How is it gonna be when it's up there thinking about the code? How how to I'm gonna have to get a jacket and probably get a different car because I can't take the car I got up there in the snow, I'm trying to get like, you know, in a crash or nothing. That's really just my main focus is like, you know, dominating against certain dudes that have the higher stature than where I'm at. 
but like the crowd wise, I don't know. I never really like you know been like really focused on the crowd. Only like at home games, like really. That's really it. Yeah. Um, so based on my research, you lived the majority of your life on the West Coast. Are you uh, excited about this transition to more of the Midwest? A little bit. Like I said, it's the weather. The yeah. Uh, I hate I hate the cold. I hate the cold. Even up here when we played when we practiced in the in the fall and played in the fall, like I hated it. It was like the worst thing ever. Fingers cold, body cold. Couldn't wait to get home. But I don't know, my, my mentality changed and you know, I'm just trying to play football. So if it's the cold, I gotta go to cold, I'm going. Like, you know, I had a choice to go to USC or to, you know. A place that's hotter, but I chose Michigan, so I'm ready for like the experience, the town, how people are, what they eat out there, what they do out there, what's like you know they typical thing like you know Corvallis used to always was the river. We used to do certain stuff like that out here, out there. So it's like, what's gonna be their thing? That's what I'm really trying to figure out. Um, so you announced on Instagram that you had offers from UAB and University of Michigan, and I think you just said USC as well. Uh, are there any other schools that showed interest or offered you? Uh, UConn, Cal, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Liberty. Uh, that was really good. I got a couple calls from some guys at Ohio State. Well, you know, they were just talking to me, trying to figure out why I left my medical history. Um, if I was in a proper shape, did all the accolades, but you know, it was like they were still on the fence. But once I committed, everybody was like, Oh yeah, man, wanna offer you, wanna offer you, wanna offer you, and I was like, Yeah, I'm straight. Uh, I took too long. And that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think Michigan Michigan's gonna be really great uh for you. Uh, one of our friends through Phenom Media is a sports analyst named Ismail Sai. Wanted to ask you what the thought process in going to Michigan was. It was just like, you know, trying to really find the relationship first. Because Oregon State didn't end well. That's why I left. Uh, so just trying to find people that genuinely care about me, that genuinely want me there. The football going to do, you know, play for itself. It's. I can do it. They know I can do it. So that's that's none the least of like trying to find somewhere that I can play for. Just trying to find the people to play for, the the person that's gonna make you motivated to get up and play. Like you know, talking to Jim Harbaugh, you know he got that Jim Harbaugh charm, and you know I was like, at first I was just gonna you know ask him a thousand questions about the school and you know pick his brain like I do other coaches to see if I want him there, but. I couldn't even get past the charm. I was just one over by his charm. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to go to pay for Jim Harbaugh. So that was really just what it is. And, like, you know, Coach Coach Noah, he's amazing. You know, he cares a lot for my family and my mom and me and what my situation I got going on. So, you know, he was really consistent on, on top of everything. So that was really what made me, like, you know, think about it more and, my decision more towards UAB. I mean, more towards Michigan. Like I told them about, like, oh, I got an offer from here. And, like you know, they started going crazy. Like, oh man, no, we need to, we need to do something about that. Like you know, I told them everybody was calling me. So like you know, they was really, they was really on top of, uh, on top of me. And 
making sure that this is the right fit for me and where I want it to be. That's um, incredible. Yeah, we've heard a lot about Jim Harbaugh and his recruiting methods, and it sounds like, you know, that's he's just a really open guy. He's just really straightforward, is charming. Um, is, is that just kind of the vibe you got from him? Are you, is he closer to Beam than um, Smith? Yeah, for sure. Like, even with my little hour conversation with, you know, Jim Harbaugh, I feel like I knew him better than I knew Coach Smith. And it was like, you know, not just Coach Smith, like me and was tight. We had a, a real solid relationship. I know I can count on him for anything, call him for anything. It was like, you know, he was just like, he's like the guy that every girl wants. Like, you know, like, damn, this is Jim Harbaugh. And then when you talk to him, like, okay, I can see why everybody like Jim Harbaugh. Like, all right, this dude is, this dude is great. I, I heard about, he, he even spent it at a guy house that he was recruiting. I was like, that's absurd. I never heard of nothing like that ever in my life. So you can yeah. tell he's a real player. I had one question kind of picking out, backing off the offer stuff. Did, uh, this is kind of off topic, but did Kansas ever reach out to you? Uh, not really. I figured, I figured we wouldn't go after a good player. Barely reached out. Um, so one thing that I read uh, in an older article about you, uh, it said that you were very proud that you never allowed 100 yards rushing in a game at Laney College. Um, while that didn't necessarily happen at OSU, do you hope to restart that streak at Michigan? Yeah, definitely. Like, that, that mentality started at Laney. It was, it was a bad practice one day. And, you know, Nation right, he was just talking so much, so much shit. He was like, you know, D-line fucking suck. Like, y'all getting your ass whooped. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I need to pick that shit up. You know, me and him used to be chipping at each other all the time. Like, you know, I would say the DBs suck, and he say the, the up front suck. So, like, you know, one day our, our offense was just giving it to us. Like, you know, they were just rushing on us the whole day. And then, you know, the next meeting, like, we just kind of, like, I just, like, snapped. Like, they should never be able to rush, a, rush 100 yards in practice, the game. And that was, like, our standard from JUCO. So, when we got to uh, Oregon State, that was my standard, too. And I let the defense know that. And like you know, you can you can see the like the natasty change like their their aggressiveness team I got there from like 2020 and like how they like I'm not I'm not the you know one man army or the glue to sit together but like we definitely brought something different 20, 2019 than we did 2020 and that was just like you know no no rushing over 100 yards being aggressive and you know making our opponents fear us and. If you look at it, we always lost in the fourth quarter or one point away. So, like, it wasn't really like we got blown out, except for Utah. We're not going to speak on that game, but that was our, our only time we really lost the game. Yeah. Uh, that was a very exciting team, 2019 Beavers. Um, no, I was I was very much uh, – as a Beavers fan, I was hoping for that bowl game, and you guys got so close. Uh, and it was sure. kind of disappointing to see that. Um but piggybacking yeah. on what you said about Nashawn, I know how do you think he's going to do uh, in Dallas? Man, he's a he's a diamond in the rough. We talked about it from JUCO to Oregon State to like now, like you know, I remember when I first met him, just a tall, lanky, skinny kid. Like 
And I used to always like, you know, D-line warm-ups together. We had like warm-up lines and I always warmed up with the DBs because I wanted to feel like, you know, fast and stuff with the DBs and joke around with them. <laughs> and like, you never really, you never really know me and Nashawn's story until you talk to each other. And like, I can tell what's something like special about him, vice versa. Like, you know, we was just talking one day. He was like, yeah, man, it's a league or nothing. Like, you know, I got to get to the league. I got stuff to do. And like, you know, that mentality stuff for me always. Like, I'm forever grateful for Nation for that, for real, because that changed, like, my whole perspective on how to approach a game. Like, you know, it's league or nothing. And he was just like, you know, a technician. Like, you know, he knows the defense. He knows where he's supposed to be, where people are supposed to be. Like, he's like, he can be our DC, honestly, if he wanted to. Like, he's very smart. But, like, the difference between him and his brother, like, Ray just a pure athlete. Like, he's a pure corner. Like, he's aggressive in your face, talking to you, going to make you get out your game. And, like, a stature, true Division One NFL-type corner. But Nishan is like, he's that corner. Like, that's why they compared to Mr. Sherman, because he knows his stuff. He played like it. Like, you never seen him really get beat like that. Is he on top of his cover? Like, you know, if it was Nashawn versus if it was Nashawn versus uh Ray John, Nashawn will line up in a proper coverage, make sure he got everything straight. Like, you know, he's not gonna be too cocky. Ray, he just gonna walk up there if he probably can cover three or not back, he's gonna be two yards in front of you, talking to you the whole time and play his game. That's what he do. So it's two different type of people, but Nashawn really like, you know, the He's definitely like, you know, gonna be great at at the Cowboys for sure. If he keep his head down, work like he did at Oregon State, he definitely gonna make it in. He's giving everybody back home a reason to go chase a bag now. Really. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, you know, certainly very excited to um, to see what he does and excited to see what, what you end up doing, um, probably with a with a future in the league coming up. Um, uh, what are your goals or expectations for your time at Michigan? Defensive player of the year. Most yeah, valuable defensive be. player. I'm trying to be the, the biggest impact Michigan had in a while. Mm-hmm. Now, I, don't, I really don't even know about Michigan history, what they did there, what they didn't do there, there season last year. I haven't really looked it up or who they got, who they don't got. I heard they got a couple guys that's good, like their ends. But I just want to be the best, the best player, the hard, really the hardest worker. That's what I want to be known for, the person who works the hardest. I don't really care about being the most talented, but the hardest worker for sure. But I'm trying to be all across the board this year, really. And every award, every trying to be the guy. Oh, that's an awesome mentality to have. And I'm sure that's an awesome, that's a mentality that uh, Farbaugh appreciates over there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you think you're going to bring uh, sort of a, a veteran presence, you know, be able to help out some of the younger guys on that defense? Yeah, but it's, you know, I feel like, you know, that's, in a sense, it's like going to somebody else's house and, like, you know, telling them what to do. Like, Oregon State, I know I can do that, you know, all day. That was, that was like, you know, I made my name there. I was that guy there. So, it was like, you know, I I had the authority to do that. I don't, you know, I want to come in here like, all right, it's the, it's the Jordan show. Y'all do what I say. Like, I'm going to definitely, like, you know, get my feet wet, walk around, 
really just try to get my guys in the D-line room with the mentality first and let the trickle down from the backers to the DBs. But I'm definitely going to have an older presence, an older mentality. I'm probably the oldest guy on the team. But just trying to, you know, really give them my insight on how I do certain things and the way I play the game to help us elevate and win some games, you know, beat Ohio State, win Big Ten, probably get, you know, in the national national championship. Yeah, that would be um, incredible. Um, one of our friends, Richard Duma, who is a Michigan fan, uh, also works at Phenom Media with, that, with us. I wanted to ask you, are you ready for, like, these rivalry games at Michigan? And what, what game are you the most excited? Probably Ohio State, like, I'm not going to lie. When I first got to Oregon State, I did not know it was that serious. I thought it was like, you know, a joke with the with the Beavers in and the Ducks. I thought it was just like a, a joke. Like, it was really serious. I went to Eugene one time with my Oregon State girl, and it was like booing me, telling me to get out the store, like, you know, go back to Corvallis. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm just trying to get some milk and stuff. Like, I'm just grocery shopping. So I was like – Knowing that I'm going to be at a bigger stage, like, I know it's going to be serious up there. Like, I know it's going to be, like, from the fans, the people who greet you with the tickets, from the players. Like, I know it's going to be that type of game. So, I'm ready for it. I, I've never been, like, you know, nervous about playing the football game, but I'm definitely going to be ready for that game for sure. For sure. As if, if we win, if we don't win any game that year, we got to win that game. That's really my mindset. Like we, you know, I take rivalry serious now. You know, of course, like you know, even when we play Oregon, we play Oregon. Like you know, me and Penny so we, I was DM him before the game. Like you know, get ready, here come. Like you know, he he'd tell you like, they like Sean told me because they had the same training. Like he was like, yeah, man. He said he was he was one of the hardest guys you played against. Like you know, the strongest guy he played against. So you know, it's I'm definitely gonna try to bring that to Ohio State for sure. I've been asking guys back who played in 2018 against who played against Ohio State, like, bro, how was it when y'all went there? Like, how was it when y'all played against them? I'm like, shit, you see the score. It really wasn't a good game for us. I was like, you know, trying to get my intel on, on, on them for sure, for sure, so we can get that win up out of here. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. Sky, you got any more questions? Um. I was just about to ask about Ohio State, but kind of answered that one. So, no, I'm good. All right. Um, so, in 2020, you did announce that you had a heart tumor, and I imagine that was very difficult to go through. Um, and our prayers go up to you, man, of course. Uh, and we just wanted to say that we think it's incredible that you've uh, fought through this and that you're coming back to play college football. And we are looking forward to watching the rest of your career. Uh, and we we love we love to have you on uh, and talk on the pod again. Um, if there's anything like you'd like to promote, talk about, or ask us here, uh, go ahead. Uh, I don't really got no promotions, but you know, look out twenty twenty one. I mean twenty this twenty twenty one season, right? Yeah, yeah. Look out for the season. It's gonna be a big, a big, big, big season for sure, for sure. So that's all I gotta say. So thank you for joining us, uh, Jordan Whitley. Uh, we were very glad to have you on, and we can't wait to see you as a 2021 Big Ten All-American right here. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, of course.
and we're back. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the interview. Um, it was a pleasure having him on, and he was great to talk to. And we are back here to talk Big t- Big Ten. Um, we're still joined by Izzy. We've got Magus and Zach Goldstein, also from Phenom, here to join us. Um, you guys want to get right into it? Yeah. Um, I think we should – well, Big Ten, shout out to uh, Jordan Whitley for being on the pod. I think we should start Michigan. Yeah, for sure. That was one of our our favorite moments of the show is him and uh, right up there is getting screamed at about Ben Simmons by Mackis. What? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Michigan adding Whitley was obviously huge, huge for that defense. I think he's going to be very, very good. But outside of that, it's it's a make or break year for this program. I mean, uh, Jim Harbaugh they had a they had a really bad year last year. They were two and four. They only have one win against Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, like all combined, right? They haven't been able to win big games. They do have JJ McCarthy, the five star recruit. So we'll see how he plays. They also return Hassan Haskins and Zach Charbonnet, and then they have Ronnie Bell and Cornelius Johnson at receiver. So it's going to be interesting, um, but. I don't, I don't know if this team will be able to deliver on on the hype that came with Harbaugh. So, I honestly, if they disappoint again, wouldn't be surprised to see him fired. But I know he just signed an extension. But this is a make-or-break year for Michigan. Yeah, I think Michigan was one of those Big Ten teams that kind of underperformed last season. I think I'm very excited for their defensive line as a whole, not only with Jordan Whitley, but Aiden Hutchinson, who is probably going to be a round-one pick come the 2022 draft. Uh, but their offense leaves a lot to be desired despite having some some guys returning. Their offensive line is um, not great. Uh, to be completely fair, they lost their best player to the draft, um, but that seems to happen every year with Michigan, and they still seem to produce talent. So I'm very yeah. excited for what they bring. Uh, excited to find out who actually starts at QB for them. Um, and there's, as Izzy said, make a break year. I think they're definitely a bowl team. Uh, but there are some concerns. I do yeah. think that defense is going to have a little bit of energy with Whitley. I don't know much about Michigan. I know it's kind of known that uh, college football isn't my strong suit outside of uh, Carter Stanley knowledge, but uh, I think Whitley <laughs> brings in like an energy just from talking to him. Like I know the listeners heard that he wants to be all defensive team. He and. uh, he brings the energy to that defensive front that it, they could lose every single game as long as they win against Ohio State. And that's huge, just yeah. believing that, because they're going to have a lot of players there that, that maybe don't believe that as much because they've been losing to Ohio State for the past few years. Certainly. I mean, yeah, but it's – I mean, again, you know, Whitley can't be, you know, the one guy that comes – in and plays at a high level uh, week in and week out. Right. So this defense last year. All right. All right. But uh, to be completely fair, Jordan Whitley talked a lot in his interview about bringing a mentality about not ever allowing more than a hundred rushing yards in a game. And I think that is kind of a mentality that he brought with him to Oregon state. And he watched the 2019 Oregon state film, as opposed to the 2020 Oregon state film, kind of, as he pointed out, there was definitely an edge that was missing 
in that front seven. If you in 2019, uh, Hamilcar Rashid put up 14 sacks and he came back in 2020 and put up nothing, nil squat. Right. I mean, right. I mean, but I, I think that the Michigan defense isn't quite there yet. I still think that they're going to be a good team like they usually are. But I, I think especially with the schedule that they have to go up against and a whole bunch of talent in the uh, Big Ten as a whole, I don't think that they're going to be able to, you know, yeah, be the team at the top of the conference. Yeah, but That's, the defense has to improve on the right. 34 yeah. – points per game they gave up and they gave up almost six yards of play like that's mm-hmm. not the Michigan defense we are accustomed to right certainly uh, and I think just bringing that edge bringing that mentality to that room is going to be so big for that team uh, going right. forward uh, right. he's Jordan's pushing on 26 at this point I think he's he brings a veteran presence to that team and I think that's that's very very big for them right exactly all right uh what's the next team that we want to talk about um let's just go to michigan's rival i guess ohio state yeah uh ohio state is losing justin fields that's massive right yeah, lose, losing justin losing fields to michigan hey man all right like <laughs> once what, what especially when when your starting quarterback goes to the league your team is obviously going to have a setback but i think this ohio state team is talented i think that they could uh work some havoc uh throughout the big time well, they have the two best receivers in the conference. They have Garrett Wilson. They have Chris Olave. Um, so that's going to help whoever starts a quarterback between uh, Kyle McCord and C.J. Stroud. So that's going to be interesting. The, my concern, though, with this team is the secondary. They have no one proven. Uh, you know, last year they weren't too hot either with uh, Sean Wade as your as uh, the Q, uh, the CB1. but And he's gone. Uh, you know, and they've been churning out NFL talent at that position for a very long time. And this is going to be the first year where I don't see, you know, a surefire lockdown. He can lock up your best receiver guy on this, on this Ohio state secondary. So that's the biggest concern with this team. And for yeah, that's reason, a Kwame Lassiter would go off for 300 yards against. Ohio okay. State. <laughs> oh, All right. So get to touch the ball. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, so I think that the secondary is certainly going to be an issue because you don't have that true number one guy. There's guys like, you know, Ty Freifogel who could absolutely go off against you. Uh, and shredded last year too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a ton of talented receivers. Jahan Batson out of Penn State. I mean, there's a lot of guys to like in, uh, in this, this Big Ten, this Big Ten group across the board for wide receivers. And I don't know if you are going to be able – well, not you, but the Ohio State the, uh, secondary, I don't know if they're going to be able to stand up to a lot of the people there. Yeah. I mean, and Thayer Munford coming back on the O-line is going to be big too. So Yes, that's massive. Yeah. Um, next team, who do you guys want? IU or – some oh. Maryland. I think we can talk about Maryland. So kind of Maryland right now is riding on the back of Talia Tegovailoa. Right. Talia is a very good quarterback. Um, Agreed. Yes. They're losing their starting running back, which Jake Funk. Jake Funk, absolute stud. Great name. Um, <laughs> their wide receivers leave a little bit to be desired. Uh, their offensive line surprisingly pass blocked really well for Talia last year, but they're losing a lot of people to the transfer portal there. So that's concerning. I don't know much about their defense. Um, what are your thoughts there, Izzy? 
I'm actually going to have to disagree with you on the wide receivers. I like Dante Demas and Rakeem Jarrett. I think they're going to be solid, solid targets for Talia. Uh, Obviously they're not on the levels of the receivers we just named like a few minutes ago, but I think they can definitely be some good targets. Uh, Yeah. Like we said at the top, they're going to need to find some run game to help Talia out uh, because he won't be able to just, you know, throw 50, 60 times a week. They need, you know, a solid ground game. Um, I don't know much about their defense either, but I their sec I know their secondary wasn't too hot last year. I don't know if I don't know if that that'll change this year. So it'll definitely be interesting. I think Maryland's going to be. I think they're going to improve a lot this year. Uh, Surfiable team. I wouldn't. Say, I like. I'd say eight wins, maybe seven wins. Yeah, I think this is the perfect opportunity for Talia to come out and show his his prowess as a passer. Is it what this is his third season? Uh, he could declare for the draft come 2022, I believe. Yeah, he played yes. one year, one year at Alabama, one year at Michigan, uh, not Michigan, Maryland now, and he'll be go. He could go to the draft if he puts up a good year, uh, and that would be a big loss for them certainly. Uh, yeah. This this roster without Talia is not not a bowl team. Uh, I think they're. I think without Talia, they're a borderline bowl team. But at the same time, like when you lose a guy like him who is a great college quarterback. I mean, there goes, as as you guys mentioned, a lot of the talent on that roster. There goes your main guy. And right. while th- I think that this year he definitely contributes to a lot of – well, of course he contributes because he's the starting quarterback, but I think without him that a lot of their wins get, get wiped off the board against other talented teams in – the Big Ten, for example, um, for example, I could see them beating Michigan at the end at the end of the year. Honestly, and, right, and you get rid of uh, you get rid of them, and there goes a win like that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Tally is certainly a, a game changer for them. Uh, they've got they've got a couple of other players, but you know. Talia, Talia is big for them. They got Joseph Boatepi, who came from NC State last season, probably will be playing quite a bit on their defensive line. Uh, Jordan Castleberry is probably going to be the starting running back. And uh, DeWan Ellis is a solid receiver for them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think uh, next, do we want to talk about the uh, Golden Gophers, uh, Minnesota? Yeah, uh, I'm down. You want to start there, Mekas? Yeah, I'm a very big fan of this Minnesota team. Uh, their quarterback, Tanner Morgan, that's it. He kind of had, had a down year in 2020. I think he's going to come back. Uh, they're starting running running back Muhammad Ibrahim is very, very good. And I love I love who they've got at tackle, Daniel Faye. I think he's incredible. He's massive. He's like 6'9", 420 pounds. He is going to be – he's going to go off. They've got a lot of players on this defense as well, and I, I like them as a – a bowl team, maybe even more than that, possibly up to eight wins. Uh, yeah, I think Tanner Morgan is due for a bounce back here, even though he loses number one receiver Rashad Bateman to the draft. Uh, as we know, Bateman was really, really good for Minnesota. But, uh, yeah, I think Morgan's going to be better. Muhammad Ibrahim, he provides a lot of stability in the backfield, which is what they need. He's a very physical runner, so he adds that to, the, to that offense. Uh, the defense, they do lose uh, their best DB, Benjamin St. Just. He's off to the draft. But I like the other corner that they have, Coney Durr. I feel like he's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm, I think Minnesota, you know, 
I I have them about where you have them, Marcus. I think they're going to be among the best in the West of, of the Big Ten. So because that division is almost wide open, so it'll definitely be interesting to see how they perform, especially Certainly. given how they had a down year last year. So yeah, and I expect Chris Ottman, the redshirt senior wide receiver, I think he's going to step up his game next season oh, and yeah. be that number one target. Yeah, they do have some tough games, though. You have Ohio State Week 1, and then you have Purdue, Northwestern, Iowa, and then Indiana. So that, that, those are going to be some tough games. I do yeah, really that, like that's P.J. a rough Fleck, stretch. What would you say, Sky? I do really like P.J. Fleck. Yeah, he's a great coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the next kind of top-tier team, I think there's kind of two more guys really vying for the, the top, and I think the first one's Northwestern and the next Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, Northwestern, you know, they, they, they've won the West two out of the last three years. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald is a very, very good head coach. He's going to have them ready to play no matter what. Um, the defense, they lost a lot. They lose Greg Newsom, you know, your best corner. He played really, really well for them, especially in the Big Ten title game. He was huge. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they restock defense. But I do like Cam Porter. Cam Porter is going to be very good for them. He's back. Um, and they do have a Kansas transfer, actually, Stephon Robinson. So he adds a little bit of, you know, receiver stability. So that'll be He's good. a good receiver. He's extremely solid. Certainly. Yeah, so he's, that's going to be huge for whoever plays quarterback for them. But, yeah. And they don't play Indiana, Ohio State, or Penn State in their schedule. So that's huge. But Indiana, I forgot about them. Um, but yes, this Northwestern defense is very good. They lose Greg Newsom, but they keep AJ Hampton. Uh, at safety, they keep Brandon Joseph, who was incredible for them last season. I agree. Yeah, Chase Bergen, uh, their their linebacker, he played pretty well. Um, but this is just all in all, this is a great great defense. Uh, they got they're starting a new transfer QB, and I'm kind of blanking on his name right now. But I want to say they started Ramsey last year. Yeah, Ramsey last year, he's getting replaced. Yeah, he's getting oh, replaced. They also lose Patty Fisher on defense as well. Yeah. I mean, he's I think good. he was a little overrated during his time there, but yeah, but he was nonetheless the like, you know, defensive leader. Okay. I think that I think that this um Northwestern team, especially their defense, is very good. And I think that they benefit a lot from having a pretty easy start to their schedule. Uh, I mean, their first five games should be wins, and then their game against Rutgers, Rutgers should be a win. So that's six games right there that they go six – that presumably they should go 6-0. and L. Um, Right. And then it starts to pick up steam once you play Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I think that that team is going to be – especially after those that, that early season, they're going to be riding a wave of confidence, and they should be able to power themselves through to a really, really strong record. Yeah, and they did pretty well in the transfer portal. As we said, they got Stefan Robinson, but they also got Jeremy Miser out of uh, Old Dominion and Ryan Holinsky from South Carolina. Wow, so that's, that's huge as well. Yeah, it's a big transfer um, year for them. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think they're a very good team. I don't, I don't think they're probably like the top team or one of the top teams in this conference um, necessarily, but they're definitely a bold, bold team. At least that's just my opinion. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, should we move on to uh, Indiana? Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. I'm very high on this team. Uh, yeah, they're a good team. Yeah, they're a very good football team. 
very, very good football team. I think Michael Penix is the clear and away top quarterback in this conference. Um, this defense is really well schemed, and they've got some players there, Micah McFadden, a lot of guys in their secondary. They did lose Jamar Johnson in the draft, but there's plenty of other players to fill in for him coming from wings. Uh, they killed, they absolutely killed the transfer portal. They got oh, DJ yeah. Matthews from Florida State, Zach Carpenter from Michigan, uh, Ryder Anderson from Ole Miss, and several others. And I think that they've really set up this team to be very successful going into uh, uh, tw- the 2021 season. And I think they're definitely, there's definitely a possibility that they end up in the college football playoffs. I forgot to mention Stephen Carr from USC. Yeah, I mean, they and they returned Ty for, for Rifle at receiver. So that's that's going to be huge. They they shredded almost any defense they played last year with him and Penix. So I do like IU a lot. I do think they have a great shot at the college football playoff. Um, they have a tough stretch of Ohio State, Maryland, and Michigan. So we'll see how they do in those games. But if they can come out of those games unscathed, then they have a clear path. Right. If they go three and oh in those games and i think as you mentioned izzy that they are a for sure possibly even lock for the college football playoff oh yeah 100 percent. michael Penix is an electric quarterback he's too. a great quarterback yeah he i watched him against ohio state last year man that kid is good <laughs> yeah um, so. yeah i'm very excited for this team going forward uh all right let's let's finish this off and then head to a break and we'll come back with iowa uh what are your thoughts here izzy uh, Iowa, you know, they're going to be, they're just going to be Iowa always consistent. <laughs> um, you know, that football team never seems to be like horrible, but they, they did win six in a row after the 0 and 2 start that they had last year. Um, you know, I like their quarterback, Spencer Petras. I think he needs to be better. He did have a strong finish, but he needs to be able to put some consistent games. Um, yeah, so I like this Iowa team in the West. I think, you know, they're going to be able to compete with, like, the Northwesterns, the Minnesotas, and the Wisconsins as well, so. Yeah, um, right. they've re- really done a great job of building up this offensive line. Uh, they kept Tyler Lindenbaum at center, which is kind of massive for them. He was going to be probably a first-round pick in this draft, but he comes back, and uh, I think that's he's going to, you know, anchor this offensive line. They've got some good running backs. Uh, Tyler defense. Yeah, Tyler Goodson specifically. Um, their defense has some some players. Uh, they they're probably going to be consistent, um, but I don't know if consistently great. They might be consistently good, but I don't know if that is enough to be in contention for sort of the top of this. Right, right. I mean, I mean, Iowa always has a solid defense, so I I wouldn't be too concerned there. So, certainly, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that you. Yeah, have to look out um, for certain games that they play. Their first three games, I mean, they'll beat Kent State and they should beat Iowa State. But those are two teams that are going to put up a fight and it's not going to be easy and could really drag this team through the mud. Right. Certainly. Indiana is certainly a team that should be able to beat Iowa with the way they look. So – like their schedule, as I've been mentioning with other teams, talking about other team schedules, this is a schedule that could prove to be very tough. Yeah, agreed. 100%. Agreed. Yeah. 
And I think that the next team that we should, should, should go with uh, is Wisconsin, the Badgers. Uh, yeah, they do have Graham Mertz coming back at QB. Um, I feel like he showed flashes. I feel like he'll be able to put it all together. Um, they did have a lot of injuries last year, so that they, they'll be able to bounce back and be a better team. Um, I mean, one, one thing about Wisconsin that's always consistent is, you know, their, their play up front. So that's going to be good uh, for the offensive line is what I mean. Um, pass rush needs to be better though. They, they aren't, they haven't been able to generate a lot of pressure for the past year, couple years or so. So I think Jim Leonard, their defensive coordinator will be able to, you know, get his guys ready to play. And I think they will be able to stop some people in 2021. So that'll help Mertz out a lot. Certainly. I think that this team is really focused on offense. It's going to be all about Graham Mertz this season because Graham Mertz had a great first game. Uh, and I think on defense, it's all going to be about their linebacker, Jack Sanborn, who played incredibly last season. Right. It's, it's, he's going to be good. Does yeah. anyone else have anything to add? Or? No, I don't know too much about this Wisconsin team. I, I think that I'm really like haven't been following them. I've been more stuck with some of the uh, teams that we've already spoken about, like Indiana, Northwestern, and Michigan and Ohio State. Right, right. Uh, I think the next team that we should move on to is is Penn State. I think this is a very good team, certainly bowl caliber. They kind of you know flopped last season, to be completely honest with you. But Jahan Dotson is a top tier wide receiver. Oh yeah. Uh, John Love, it's a great they, – they actually killed the transfer market. They got a couple of dudes uh, there. Eric Wilson out of uh, Harvard, uh, Arnold Ebikite, I believe, from um, Temple. Uh, they got Derek Tangelo, who was incredible for Duke, uh, another big loss for that program. And then John Dixon and John Lovett, uh, who will both provide an instant impact. Uh, in their recruiting class, they landed the King twins, Kevin King and uh, I want to say Kalen King. No, Kalen and Kobe King, uh, who are apparently going off in in camp, which is really good to hear for them because that kind of adds to their defense. I think this is an underrated team just based on how poorly they played, you know, the beginning of last season. I think they dropped about three or four in a row. Uh, but I think this is definitely a team that should make a bowl game. Uh, yeah, they're going to need more consistent quarterback play out of Sean Clifford, though. Uh, and the defense needs to improve. They gave up 27 a game last year. Uh, I do think Jahan Dotson, though, I, I think he really he will really assert himself as one of the best receivers in the Big Ten this year. I really like him a lot. Um, I think he'll I think he'll be really, really good for whoever starts at QB, which is probably going to be Clifford, but he needs to be better. Certainly. So, yeah. yeah. And they also have a uh, former uh, graduate transfer, uh, strong safety, Jaquan Brisker, who played really well last season. Right. Right. So this is just a, a talented team, kind of underrated, just based on where they sat last season. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think next we can talk about Rutgers. Yeah, uh, Rutgers, they were marginally better last year, I guess you could say. Um, uh, you know, they, they have an experienced quarterback room. Um, I do like Isaiah Patesco. He's really good. Um, Bo Melton is back as well. He 47 catches last year, so he, he will be a solid target. Defense gave up 32 points a game. Um, but Julius Turner and Potoski, they're coming back for another year, so that is going to be huge for the defense. So they, they should help them improve. But they do have some 
they do have some tough matchups, Wisconsin and Northwestern. So, Yeah, I remember when we first heard that um, Greg Schiano was getting rehired there. I, it was kind of controversial, but he's done a really good job of, you know, recruiting and building up this team. I think that they will be competitive at some point. I don't think that's the, this season. They will compete in a lot of their games, but I don't think they're a bowl team yet. Uh, they landed a couple transfers again. Um, Josh Youngblood from Kansas State is going to be good for them. But I don't know if they're they're ready to go out there and compete for for the Big Ten. Yeah, not quite yet. Um, I agree. They with need you guys. more. Yeah, yeah. They also are rocking like rock pretty tough schedule, and you're going to have to perform big against some already proven teams and teams that have a lot more firepower, like Michigan, Ohio State, Northwestern, Indiana. Certainly. Um... But there's a there's a good future for this program, uh, in my opinion at least. Uh, but if you still haven't quite seen the future turn into, well, production or wins yet. Uh, so we're still waiting on that. I think next we should turn our focus towards uh, Michigan State, who used to be a very very good team. Uh, they kind of fell on rough times last season. Not very good. Uh, they're losing their starting quarterback which i mean it's not really a big deal because he didn't play well for them uh but they they landed a couple transfers uh, a couple of linebackers a couple corners uh carrie crump out of arizona is pretty good uh, based on what i've seen of him uh they got a couple quarterbacks a quarterback anthony russo from temple is going to be big um but i again, don't think this is a team ready to no i agree with i agree with you there i think that after what happened last year, and maybe some of that's attributable to COVID, but they were not performing to the level that most people think of as Michigan State football. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, they did pull off some upsets last year, though. They did beat Michigan. They did beat, they did beat Northwestern, but they lost their other five games, which were they weren't even competitive. So they're gonna they're gonna need some consistent offensive play i mean 18 points a game that's horrible i mean that's kansas level no offense guy um (laughs) so i mean 20 turnovers on the offense and that's not good that's not going to cut it they need to be better mel tucker he's a good coach but you know michigan state needs to get back to being michigan state certainly Um, all right yeah, and I think the, the next team we can turn to is probably Purdue. Uh, I was honestly surprised by how well uh, Jake Plummer came out and played quarterback for them. Yeah, he, he played really well, honestly. It was a, it was a good story. Yeah, certainly. Uh, they're kind of losing uh, one of their better weapons in Rondell Moore, but he only played like half of last season. I think they still have uh, – what's his name? Bell? Yeah, David Bell. Receiver, David Bell. Um, but outside of that, this isn't – it's not a very talented offensive line. They've got a couple of guys on defense, but – I again don't think this is going to be a team competitive or anywhere I mean, near the time. I agree. back, they do have a uh, Xander Horvath who's returning. So, I, but other than that, I agree with you that there's, they don't have there's, a lot. There's not a ton there, and yeah, maybe in the future they've got something. But as of now, they don't look to be in a position to really make a lot of noise. I mean, yeah. they have Notre Dame, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana. 
Right. They're already in a super tough conference. I mean, that's then, that's a horrible schedule for them. Right. And then <laughs> you're already in a hard conference. Then yeah, the fact that you have to play Notre Dame, like that's just no fun for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Certainly. Um, they also have George Karloftis at defensive end, who plays pretty well. I think he's a fairly good pass rusher. Uh, but we need to see more out of him if he wants to carry this defense to any. For sure. For sure. Right. Yeah. Um, I think next we can talk about Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. Um, Scott Frost, fourth year of the year in Nebraska. Um, they haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. Um, last year they lost a lot of close games. I mean, I think they lost, I think, three or four games by eight points or less, which which is which is not fun at all. Uh, but Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey, they need to be better on offense. You know, they showed flashes in the first week game against Ohio State, but they didn't do any much else for the rest of the season. So they're gonna need to up their averages. And um they do lose uh Wandale Robinson, so that's not good. And they need a new running back because Dedrick Mills is gone as well. So it, I don't know how Nebraska is going to perform this year, but they do have a tough non-conference matchup with Oklahoma. So that'll be, that'll be a good game to watch. That Yeah, that should be a very interesting game. Um, I think that especially since Oklahoma's at home that they take that one, but who knows? It's an early game. It's an early, um, early season game. And, Maybe if Nebraska takes that one, they can really prove that they could be a uh, a surprising bowl team. Yeah. Right. Uh, sadly, at this point, Adrian Martinez has already won that starting job as Luke McCaffrey recently transferred to Louisville. Um, that's kind of losing that competition. There's probably very upsetting um, with Martinez because Martinez is not the best of quarterbacks. They got Samori Toure from the Minnesota Grizzlies. Is a, a lower D1 uh, program, but they're still very good. Uh, they've got some talent on this roster, but again, they're, they're going to be able to stay in great games. I just don't know if they're going to be able to win them. Yeah, yeah they don't, uh, they don't. just like last year, essentially. Yeah. I know this isn't, this isn't like uh, football is not a sport where guy, there's one guy that can just take over a game and because, you know, there's 11 guys on each side of the field, but that's kind of what they're missing. Right, 100%. A, uh, a, like, like a big name who you know you can go to in clutch time and someone who you can rely on to have monster stats. Exactly. Certainly. Uh, and our final program here in the Big Ten, and I think probably the consensus bottom program in the Big Ten, Illinois. I. Uh, they just brand new head coach Brett Belima. Um, there's not a lot of hope for this program. Honestly, they're going to be in the cellar. Need to stick to basketball. That's, that's what Ooh. it is. <laughs> I mean, they've got a good basketball program, as you just mentioned, Izzy. But their football, their football. I mean, look, look. Brett Belima is not a bad head coach. I mean, I think he'll do some good at that program but i mean they're going to be in the cellar for at least a year or two yeah i i don't think they have they 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 just they just don't have talent yeah and plus you got to play you know nebraska week one who should be solid as we were just talking about you got to play maryland early and like i even have them losing to utsa in virginia and wow 
I mean, UTSA honestly. is a great team, um, and I don't think they're going to have they're going to struggle against this Illinois team. Uh, I'm very intrigued because they Mark Marquez Beeson, who's the brother of Zariah Beeson over at Oregon State, he was playing cornerback last season. It's kind of been injured a lot. He's a very athletic guy that moves him over to wide receiver, and I'm intrigued to see how that works. Uh, what do you know about the the starting quarterback situation there? Is it in Illinois? In Illinois, yeah. Uh, uh, Brandon Peters is back. That's all. That's pretty much all I know. Um, they running back. I think they have Chase Brown, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's coming back, but yeah, it looks like Peters is going to get another year, and he was nothing special. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of hope for this team this season, but certainly in the future. Uh, there's With recruiting and stuff. I mean, it'll be interesting because you know. That's that's how you build your program, right? Certainly. So they can get a big name next year in the transfer portal. Well, more like a few big names because one guy is not going to turn around any franchise, any um program. Right. They can get one of those big names. Who knows who it's going to end up being? Uh, I think that there could be a lot to hope for two, three years down the line. Certainly. Right. Uh, and I think that, like, does that wrap up our, our segment here? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, we just so. did the Big 12 and Big 10 today, so. All yeah. right. Um, so, you know, it's been a great talk here. I think um, there's a lot of potential for all of these programs kind of overall, except for maybe uh, in Kansas. But, um <sighs> <laughs> yeah uh, so there's our previews those are our previews um, we appreciate all of you guys for listening this week uh, hopefully you guys tune in next week I think we're going back to our normal schedule of Monday shows but yeah you know, hopefully uh, and we may have a uh, interview planned for them uh, I'm winking but you can't see me through the uh, non-existent camera <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Izzy and Zach, for coming on. Uh, Anytime, man. Thanks for for letting us on. Yeah, of course. Anytime, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, we're back to our regular time, and we'll see you guys next week. All right. Peace, everybody. Have a good weekend. This is Izzy's special request song. No, Um, it's not. This is Lil Wayne's (laughs) Pussy Monster.